Hey, I'm Maria. I work at a labor union by day and write and watch too much TV by night. I like to say I've been firmly in the CW's clutches since it was a WB. As the great Seth Cohen on the OC once said about the fictional teen drama, The Valley, TV teen dramas are mind-numbing escapism. They exist in a fantasy world where 20-something hot actors are usually cosplaying high schoolers in melodramatic depictions of adolescents. But that's honestly why I love teen dramas so much. I love the tropes and the ships and the not-at-all-subtle product placement. I love the early aughts theme songs and the cameo performances by pop-punk bands. I love the newer generation of shows that are more diverse and representative of the vastness of teenage girldom. And I especially love the moments when TV teen dramas get political. You guys, we can organize, stand together, speak with one voice. Karl Marx has come alive for me today. Now it just seems so obviously wrong that those who control capital should make their fortunes off the labor of the working class. Well, since you've fired us, you've given us plenty of time to kick in. Workers of the world unite for all the Welcome to another episode of Leftist Teen Drama. Today, I am joined once again by my childhood best friend, Dondre. Yeah, if you listened to this before, you've already heard our, our story of how we're friends. But we, we love a teen drama, and we love talking about when teen dramas try to take on racial justice. I feel like this has some, a little bit in common with the Degrassi episode in that regard. Mm-hmm. Some fun, let's have a forum about race times in common here. <laughs> <laughs> Today, we're actually talking about sports, which is very unlike us, but you know, okay. um, if there are characters with clear arcs and love lives I care about, then you might get me to care about the, the sports ball. So, exactly. uh, <laughs> so today we're talking about Friday Night Lights and All-American, which I think it's really fun to compare the two because it's like the early 2000s version of the football team drama and the 2020s version of the, well, 2010s to 2020s version of the uh, teen drama. Basically, we're talking about two different football strikes, if you will. And one occurs pre-Kaepernick and one happens post-Kaepernick and is like certainly influenced by it to the point that they like mention him in the mm-hmm. one of the episodes. But although the situations are, are different, I do think it's fair to say that both sets of football players go on strike for various racial justice reasons. Protests through sports have a long history and it's always cool to see that tapped into. Yeah, also it seems so like football is a, is a go-to sport, like whether it's like yeah. remember the Titans or, yeah. you know, it, football just loves to be a hub of a lot of social issues. Even, you know, the Super Bowl with Janet and Nipplegate, like it just, it always seems to be the thing that people are like, oh, there's no politics involved, but there's so many politics involved. So Yeah. It's, just... it's such an American institution 
that like how could it not be inherently political like it, it reflects right. like so much of u.s politics down to the racism and mm -hmm. uh, oh that just transitions i'm perfectly to what i was going to say which is that it's hilariously super bowl weekend right now we did not plan this but we're yeah. talking about <laughs> i thought it was always the first weekend of february i thought it was always the weekend of your birthday i know i saved it this this year it's sophia's birthday weekend yeah yeah interesting so i thought I, I didn't think i thought we were doing it afterwards but here we are <laughs> yeah here we are tomorrow i know the bengals are playing because i know they're the underdogs but i have no idea who they're playing against Girl, you better than me. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't know. No, all I know is that Mary J. Blige is performing, and that's why I'll be watching. <laughs> I also saw a meme going around that was like, "Who are you rooting for on Sunday, Maddie or Kathy?" In regards to Euphoria's current plotline. Oh my god, Rusty, 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 Rusty. So yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna talk about football, even though we're probably the last people you would expect to be talking about football. And Jeff doesn't usually like come on the mic as a producer, but I feel like it's possible this would be the time when he ends up <laughs> chiming in because maybe okay, he'll need, interactive maybe, casting crew. Maybe he'll need to <laughs> correct us or something. I could see that happening. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, I mean, so All American and Friday Night Lights, like, feel like we've talked about both these shows on the podcast before. So like, mm -hmm. I'll do like the short version, but I started watching All American because Dondre told me to, which is the case for a lot of teen drama. So you're always ahead of the curve. It's always like you. Really? Tell me, I yeah. told you about the show. Yeah. You tell me. You like text oh. me, and you're just like, hey, watch this. And then like two days later, everyone, all the Tumblr gays are obsessed with it, and I'm like, see, Dondre uh, always dead, knows. Dead, dead, dead. He always yeah. knows. <laughs> That just speaks to my overconsumption of media, but I mean, <laughs> I, literally, as soon as it comes out, I'm gonna give it a chance. <laughs> it literally just happened to Yellow Jackets, like five yeah. seconds after you told me that the lesbians were going wild. <laughs> oh my god, yes! Oh my god. <laughs> Also, I love how Yellow Jackets is going to be open for season two because they left so much on the table. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. Different episode. Different episode. Different ep possibly a different episode. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot to talk about there. Anyway, so All American, I feel like I've been watching it since, like, I think the season between one and two. I, like, binged season one on, on Netflix and... We're in, it's in season four now at the time of this recording. So we don't know how that's going to turn out. And they have their spinoff premiering on President's Day, which is going to take place. Yeah, it's going to take place at an HBCU called Bringston University. Oh. And basically Simone is like the main character. That's where she's going to play tennis. And then... Mm -hmm. One of the other, Cam, the character Cam, who used to play for Crenshaw and then switched schools, like he's also going to mm -hmm. be going to Bringston. So they're kind of like carrying a couple characters over. Okay, very interesting. Yeah, so they're going to have like a whole two hour block of All American Universe on the CW now. So yeah, Good taking, for her. Taking, I'm happy for the Right? I mean, taking the like specifically turning the sports team drama into like a like a black sports team drama that's actually written by black people is like a great turn for the genre. yeah 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 very much so that's amazing yeah i'm just quickly scanning it now it looks so good it's such a good, such a good idea and also such a a great way to reconcile the overt whiteness of all america <laughs> Yes. Oh, absolutely. So. This is definitely going into a much blacker place. <laughs> there are no white people on the yeah. poster like there are for All American. You know, I know. We couldn't it's help so cool. Good for her. Yeah. And then Friday Night Lights. Have you have you watched any of it? I okay. watched this past week just to like get into it a little bit. Okay. So I, I've seen the pilot in, in full. Yeah. It's a good pilot. 
It is a good pilot. It it moves very quickly. It's very I feel like early to mid two thousand six, like before the whole modernist movement of T V. Mm. Like I feel like there were some really good like trailblazing shows that we had. Like it definitely in terms of like the quickness of it, like it's it's a good show. Yeah, it is. And I only watched it for like it, I did not watch it while it was on. It was not the kind of thing that teenage me would have taken to, I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like the Abercrombie and Fitch wearers of our schools were into it. Like, I remember a lot of that friend group. Like, the very, yes. very white Maplewood kids. They were very into Friday Night Lights. Absolutely. I definitely knew of its existence, but was not into it. But I finally, like, was like, I'm going to watch it during, like, early pandemic times. And I was like, this show is, like, very good and actually, like, very political. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, so is All-American. And I maybe that's just, like, what we were saying. Like, football is maybe just inherently political. And so it's just, like, hard to not go there. But um what i think is cool is that in friday night lights like race is pretty much inescapable even if it's not always as like overt as it's going to be in this episode Mm -hmm. like they go to like a less privileged town at one point in the first season and like they just do a really good job of like showing that yeah river oaks yeah 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 Um, i also i feel like dallas is really interesting because dallas itself is so racialized (laughs) and i feel like it's just uh it's such a black location but also such a very southern white location so just the the city itself just you know adds to the fire like you said like just in such a mixed race town in some place like texas like and there's a bunch of black and white football players and some boomer white guy assistant coaches it was almost just like mm-hmm. it was gonna come to a head at some point at some and, point yeah and so that's kind of what we're talking about today we're talking about friday night lights 116 blinders which hilariously aired in february of 2007 so about 15 years ago <laughs> this week oh um, my god <laughs> And then the second episode we're talking about aired on Valentine's Day. Okay. So cool. yeah, we're really we're really on on to the timing here. <laughs> and so the episode opens with them sort of like cruising through their first playoff game, which I think is really interesting because that's definitely where things end up in All American. They're like at the top of their game. They're on the brink of something great happening, like about to be at the playoffs mm-hmm. kind of vibes in both situations. So the stakes are very very high and. That's great because that's like the when the best protest happens is when the stakes are high and when people have a lot to lose and they need to actually do the right thing to not lose that. So um, just, you know, kudos to the good protest writing as we do. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to start watching this episode basically to begin. And what starts all of this off is that Coach Mack, who is one of the assistant coaches on the team, still like it's like crazy to me how like football teams have like that many like assistant coaches and shit, like having underfunded field hockey. (laughs) (laughs) Never had that many coaches. There was like one coach per team. And he's talking to reporters, which is also like... Like, this show does such a good job of being like, Texas football is fucking crazy. There's like this radio show that plays at the beginning of like every episode that everyone listens to that talks about the football. And like, there's like literally like reporters. Like, I mean, I think they do this a little bit in All American too. And like, I don't, I'm like, in reality, is there really this much press around any high school football? I don't know. It felt like the attention a college football team would get. Like, they're way too invested in this to be grown adult. Considering we're talking about Texas, and when I yes. last talked about Friday Night Lights, I had Haley on, and she, you know, she spent some of her childhood.
childhood in Texas. She was like, this is pretty oh, accurate. Wow. So I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna believe yeah. that um, maybe the local news in Texas really does care this much about high school football. But we're yeah. going to start with Mac getting interviewed by like local reporters right after they won this game. And, and Jeff did point out when he was watching this earlier that there are definitely some leading questions. But I do think that basically a racist white guy got put on the spot and said some racist shit. <laughs> you worried about next week's game against Dunstan Valley? Well, you know something, we don't. Almost all white team had some trouble recently with that hazing with a player in blackface. Uh, we don't give a dang about all that. We're just going down there to play football and God will really come away one game closer to state. Are you saying that race isn't an issue for the Dillon Panthers, Mac? No, sure it's not. Yet Dillon was one of the last high school teams in Texas to be integrated. Only one black quarterback in 40 years, Voodoo Tatum, he left after two games. Which had nothing to do with the skin color. Look, you show me a red or a black or a green player here in Dillon that's better than Matt Saracen, he's got the job, all right? What about Smash Williams? He played quarterback on JV. He's got quite an arm. Smash for quarterback. Yeah. I believe Smash is better suited for the position he's in. How do you mean? Well, guys like Smash and Baxter and even Voodoo, they, they got a natural gift for running the ball. All three are black. Yeah. Are you saying this gift has something to do with their skin color? What I'm saying, Karen, and I'm saying it in a good way, is that guys like Smash are fearless. They're dangerous. They're like junkyard dogs. I mean, you want them carrying the ball. You want them tearing up turf out there. So let me get this straight. Whites like Saracen make better quarterbacks because they're inherently smarter. Well, you want to put it that way, you could. But you know, I'm not saying that all black guys are are, are dumb. I'm just saying Matt, that they have dip. I need to talk to you. Coach, hey, just hey, a couple coach, more. Coach, just a couple more. We're in time right now. It's getting late. You know how it is. I don't think you got your story. Uh, oh my God. Yeah, there's just so much to unpack there. <laughs> now, I, I think what's really interesting that I forgot to note when I originally rewatched this for the podcast is the fact that the initial question is about the opposing team they're about to play being all white and having done blackface, apparently. I had totally mm -hmm. forgotten about that. And I'm just like, even at the beginning of that conversation, him being like, we don't care about that shit was already like, oh no, this is not going to go well. Also, who is green? I, I, I hate when that whole, oh, I, I don't care that. if you're blue, black, who is green? <laughs> <laughs> I, I know it's it's just like it makes you look like you like don't I don't know like you just you sound, really don't give a fuck like you really don't know anything or gi yeah give any fucks and it, I mean obviously the reporters are just kind of like oh shit this guy is mad racist and he does not know how to not be like we have struck gold like they just keep on asking questions and the fact that his flustered ass just kept on saying things until he got to the point where he was literally comparing the black players on his team to junkyard dogs was like and it completely went over his head yeah it's like <laughs> oh no oh no but also realistic <laughs> It probably was not that far removed from a slave master. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like, I don't know if we're going to, I don't think we're going to watch it because I did not spend a lot of time on Mac, but there is a point later in this plot line where he talks to Eric Taylor, the, the head coach, about how mm -hmm. his dad was like, you know, super fucking racist. And it's like, no fucking way. <laughs> Yeah, no um, there. but he's kind of like, you know, trying to be like, oh, I try not to be, but clearly some of it, like, you know, it's, like, yeah, up. I mean, it's, it's, it's in the culture. <laughs> yep. And so that happens. And then the next morning on that radio show that everyone listens to, like people are like calling in and talking about what Max said and kind of like arguing that whether or not like it's offensive or, you know, 
we should do something about the fact that he said that shit. And so when Mac gets to gets to work, Eric Taylor, the head coach, is kind of like, all right, you're going to need to you like need to issue a public apology. Like we're literally getting press from all over the state. Like <laughs> this has like that reporter took that shit and ran with it. Like that shit must have gotten on the AP wire. And now it's like mayhem. Like <laughs> so Mac McGill the assistant coach then apologizes and i think it's pretty fair to say it's a very lackluster apology and because this is apparently how it goes in you know texas it's just playing on the tv at the you know local watering hole they're all hanging out at with all the black kids sitting at like one table and all the white kids sitting at their own tables and everyone witnesses the apology and so i think it's like very much sets the tone for how things are gonna go with the football team. Hey guys, guys, check it out, man. Max on TV. Turn that up. Well, let me turn it up. Uh, I believe that all of our players, regardless of color, contribute to the spirit and the success of the Dillon Panthers. My comments were not intended to hurt anybody, and I apologize if they did. Thank you. Oh my god, the amount of eye rolls for every black person. You call that an apology? (laughs) Tell me what else you call that then. A lame-ass excuse. (sighs) What is the big deal? I mean, it's not like he yelled out racist slurs or anything. Yeah, but if we were up at UT right now, he'd be fired. Exactly. Fortunately for us, he's not. It's easy for you to say because you're white and obviously selfish. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, y'all, it ain't that deep. What you want Mac to do? Pay out reparations to all the Negroes in Dillon? (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> Wave. You just playing. Yeah, well, enjoy your sandbox, boys. Oh, yeah. Wave, she, she's not around for that long, but she's, like, definitely, like, activist black girl. She is not playing these games. She's like, nope, there is a racist among us, and he must be <laughs> exterminated. Like, she is definitely, like, trying to get, and she's seeing Smash, who's, like, kind of the de facto leader of the black, like, faction of the football team. So she's definitely, like, you need to do something not about this. Not what this is. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Also, LOL, um, Max Apology walked so the iPhone note apology could fly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was. And like the thing is even worse than an iPhone note's apology is that he had the chance to have a reconciliatory tone that he did not have. (laughs) Did not take that chance. Literally sorry that you were offended. Move yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it very much reflects what, like, Republicans sound like when they, like, quote-unquote apologize for anything. Yeah. Like, yeah. sorry that you are offended. At least they're consistent. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. That's um, what I've always said in terms of, like, Southern racism versus, right. you know, Northern, because everyone's always like, oh, the South is so bad. The South is so I'm like, at least I know what I'm getting in the South. In New York, they'll smile on your face and still be racist. <laughs> so. Exactly. But yeah, I thought that that was just like a really like I don't know I think this this show is like and obviously we're podcasting about it this show is very like visually well put together and Mm -hmm. like the visuals of like all the players gathering around that interview but like being so separated like by skin color in like their reaction was just like so well done also it almost reminded me of high school because you know at least where we grew up yeah yeah extracurriculars were the space and where you get to interact with people that you may not get to interact with any other time. Totally. And so it's just a really interesting class almost that you you have this 
common activity that you all are so united by, but then, you know, the reality of life is still happening around you. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, the average white kid in Texas is not like clearly not trying to like throw down for this black cause like they are immediately right. like okay he apologized like i guess that's over like taking the apology right. at face value and not not seeing at all why the black players are having the reaction that they're having and, and telling was, them how they should be feeling <laughs> yep which is you know classic fucking classic shit yeah and and also like having that one guy say like oh well it's not like he said racial slurs like so <laughs> There's always that one black person yeah. who should not be speaking for the black people. There's always oh my God. I hate yeah. them. But yeah, so now that they know that they don't really have, as far as they can see, any like white allies or anything who are gonna stand with them. Basically, Smash is talking to his girl at his locker and she sort of, you know, like I was saying, wants him to to do something about it. And I think they have a really interesting conversation about like sort of like the burden that's placed on like black players that a white player doesn't have or when something like this happens it's like you should respond or you feel like a duty to respond when like a white player doesn't have to deal with that shit so i yeah i really like the scene if you won't i'll jack up Greer for disrespecting you okay you know it's not about me it's about you taking this mac thing seriously wait i'm not jesse jackson all right my cause is football okay then who are you because it shouldn't mean playing dumb look i don't see maddie or rig jumping up on a soapbox every time a brother says something messed up you know why because it's completely different thing. Well then, that's racist right there. Me being expected to act differently because I'm black. Kind of the burden that you were born with, baby. The burden and the blessing. You know, you get all sexy, sexy, <laughs> and get all You know what, Brian, don't do this, okay? Don't turn this into a joke. It's important, I want you to really think about Wait, this. I respect your opinion on this. I do. Could you please just recognize the one second that I just got to do some real drama? I mean, I'm just getting my swagger back. I can't be sidetracked with things I can't control, baby. I know that you're dealing with a lot right now, okay? And I'm here for you. But sooner or later, you're going to have to peek out from behind those blenders. I thought we talked about that before on a previous episode, just the, you yes. know, the responsibility to your craft slash activity versus the cause, you know? Like, it's, I don't know, you, school's hard enough. You know, having to play extracurricular is hard enough, but then being thrusted into this social activist role because racism happened again, you know? Yep, absolutely. And it even, I think, I, I'm pretty sure that we talked about it in relation to All-American. And I oh, yeah, think, for sure. yeah, I think that it's relevant to the All-American we're going to talk about like later this podcast because like Spencer definitely is weighing his responsibility to his community versus his responsibility to you know his football career or his family in regards to his football career like I mean he's doing that all the time but he's definitely doing it in the plot line that we're going to talk about where they uh, <laughs> where they you know take a knee yeah basically things are kind of spiraling like the clearly the reaction between the football players who were present at, at you know that restaurant was indicative of like how people are reacting in general to the entire situation and so tammy taylor who is the guidance counselor comes in and tells eric that she just broke up a fight that was like a black person versus a white person over the mac mcgill situation and she wants to create a forum to discuss the issue because she's like it's not going away and all the football coaches kind of just want it to go away and she's trying to bring it into the open and she wants Eric to tell his football players about the forum so they'll actually come 
And in the locker room, you can see that a couple of the black players are, like, kind of staring Mac down before practice. And so, like, the tension is definitely there. And, like, as much as the white coaches might just want to ignore it and, like, move on, it's, like, it's there. And the the black players are definitely feeling some fucking resentment toward Mac and not feeling like his apology was good enough. Smash and one of, I guess, I think he's the quarterback. And the quarterback, Matt, who is, you know, a white kid, <laughs> if that needed to be said. <laughs> they work at the same place together. And so, like, when Matt's leaving his shift, he, like, kind of tries to, like, kind of be like, I think what Mac said was wrong to Smash. Like, definitely, like, like the clumsy attempt at being a white ally. Mm-hmm. And, like, Smash absolutely, like, just kind of brushes it off. And it's like, you don't have to do that. Like, obviously, Matt isn't really doing anything. He's not saying that when they're alone together and not in front of the other white kids. But it's also just, like... Yeah, right. But it also just feels like even that level isn't something that Smash expects or like even like knows what to do with. Like it doesn't feel like. Yeah. Well, also, how does that serve him? Oh yeah, <laughs> like, no, it's, it's, you know? it's like a very half-assed attempt, and it's very sad that it's kind of the only like real attempt you see at allyship mm-hmm. there. Yeah, which is so interesting to now, where I feel like it's so trendy. You know, catchphrases, there's language, there's rhetoric, there's just ways of talking about things now that I feel like almost empower non-people of color to just now they can have space to say it. So very interesting. And so then Tim Riggins, who's kind of the other like leader, like white leader on the team, comes to Smash and he's kind of like, you should talk your boys down. Like we have to refocus on state. And Smash kind of just like gets mad and refuses. And he's like, you got some nerve. You're the same guy who shows up half drunk to practice. And now you're telling me that I have to get my boys in line. Like you want team unity. Why don't you talk to your boys? And I was like, Mm. yes, like, (laughs) like absolutely. Like, like the feelings that are being had by the black players are valid and like like half of the team denying that is not going to help with team unity like it's just not so <laughs> also why is no one calling into question that the person who is leading these boys has that type of mindset like how i don't know just crazy yeah. <laughs> it's crazy who is allowed to shape children's lives oh yeah Absolutely. And it'll come into play later. But like the fact that Mac McGill has been part of this football program for like decades also comes into play, which I think is a very like sports mentality, like people paying their dues and like being owed something Mm -hmm. and stuff. Mm -hmm. Tammy is going to have her her race forum. And I just thought this was such a good parallel to what we watched on Degrassi. So the forum doesn't go well, believe it or not. And this is just very much an er- another early aughts supervised conversation about race. <laughs> it erupts into a fight. This isn't going away, like, at all. And if anything, the attempt to do, like, a civilized conversation about race only brought out, you know, white people not understanding race and therefore conflict occurring. Yeah, I was actually going to compare it to senior year, if you remember with the whole volleyball tournament. Good um, times! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that was something else. Yeah. And I, well, I guess to quickly paraphrase, if yeah. you boys. Yes, you should. Wrote, you should. Um, they wore, their team was called the South, I believe. Yep. yep. And they basically were referencing the Mason-Dixon line and it upset a lot of people clearly, but it the aftermath of it was really the thing that took up <laughs> the bulk of senior year. And I feel like it was even hinted at at graduation, how we just, our grade couldn't get along. But I just remember it being a, a huge deal about whether or not administration was going to report it to the boys' colleges because they had gotten to like these top schools, like they were like, you know, 
the golden children of the of the school and i just just the ways in which people that i thought would you know who were very friendly who would know all the songs whether they were hip-hop or r&b like how things change and opinions change and you really saw what people's ideas about race were surrounding the situation and how people reacted to it and we were so young of course but like you know children really are you know vessels for their parents thoughts and beliefs and i feel like I don't know. You really just saw whether black or white, <laughs> how everyone felt about it and how, you know, the what was most prioritized was the boys' futures as opposed to it being a learning lesson or, or a lesson learned or just like a moment to teach these people like how something that is so sensitive to not just be used and talked about so lightly. But yeah, I don't know. I just it just I thought it was a good parallel to the the panel that happens or the forum that happens. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like when it's something that's happening so immediately, like in the school community that it like can't be ignored, like people end up having Mm -hmm. to like come down on one side or the other. And Mm -hmm. that just only feeds the tension. And so in this case, like the sort of like momentum of feeling like we have to do something about this is only like growing as the days mm-hmm. pass. And so Smash decides, you know, he really has kind of, you know, as I said before, kind of been thrust into the role of being like the de facto leader of like the black players on the team because he has like the big, like the best position out of any of them. And mm-hmm. so he is the one who decides to go and confront Mac and try to have a conversation with him. And so we'll see how that goes. Spoiler alert. Probably not well. <laughs> hey, Mac, what are you doing here so late? We never got a chance to talk. About what? Well, about what you said and how you may or may not perceive black players. What I perceive, other than football, is none of your business. Whoa. I'm just trying to have a dialogue. Well, you save your dialogue for your mommy. Now, wait a minute. Mm. You said no, that- you wait a minute, son. You wait just a minute. I've been here for 27 years, and I am not about to be interrogated by some too big for his britches teenager. You got me? What the hell you mean too oh. big for my britches, Matt? You don't want to see that done. Want- All right, this is over. I'm done with this. I am done. Look, if I hear you whining or anybody else whining about this anymore, you're going to be warming your ass on the bench Friday night. You got me? Oh, no, you can't do that. Oh, I can. Yeah, and I will. Tired of this crap. Institutional racism. <laughs> let's go let's go so smash really tried to come to him like let's have a dialogue which i don't even know if he deserved that and he still couldn't even do it he's like and that's how you know he's fucking racist deep down because he knows that if he tries to have a dialogue it's gonna just it's not gonna work like it's not gonna it's gonna reveal him just like how it reveals him in that interview exactly exactly and yeah i just i mean i think it's like very well written because like the way that he shuts down and like gets angry is just so classic i was triggered by like oh my god (laughs) literally every conversation that i've had to have that operated in a gray space with any teacher slash administrator like adults who teach children often don't know how to navigate power dynamics shifting Mm. and you know and, and so what they do is revert to i am the adult in this situation and this is how it's going to play out and i'm like 
Why are you teaching the future? <laughs> oh my God, exactly. I also think what's interesting about that is how, and I think this is what really moves Smash to action, is the fact that he like is basically coming down on their right to even like protest or have feelings about this have feelings, issue. yeah. And, be, and, and being like, if you continue to like harp on this, I'm going to bench you. Like to that mm -hmm. level is like, that's really trying to like shut you up. And so like what, telling a teenager to like shut the fuck up about something they have passionate feelings about is never going to go well for you. <laughs> right. And the, the response slash threat to such a simple request to have a conversation, like it just it just he really showed his ass <laughs> exactly uh it's you're gonna be like really sad by how this plotline ends i'm gonna say that oh my god this is the... will i be surprised though no <laughs> and i think it's very realistic i'm just gonna say i think that that this plotline ends in the most more disappointing way than all americans does but this one is probably more realistic than all americans <laughs> plotline so we'll see we'll see how that turns out but i would say that the scene we're about to watch is absolutely like the climax and I think we should definitely like take as many visual notes as we can so that we can describe it even more because it's very visual. And it's also very visually, you know, has a lot visually in common with like a pivotal scene in the All-American episode. Basically, before this happens, I, it's, I didn't think that we needed to watch it. Somehow Waverly and Smash find a way for them to use a church to meet in. So I'm just going to assume it's the black church in town. And so all the fo black football players, you like see them file into this church like late at night and then like close the door behind them. So they're clearly like plotting what they're going to do. Next okay, day, in true civil rights fashion. Yeah. Which is always the, <laughs> Absolutely. Is always the foundation of the, of, the, of the revolution. And that's something that I should mention, like the two churches definitely like play a role in general because we're talking about Texas and so people are like Christian and there's times that they like pray mm -hmm. before football games and stuff. And so sometimes like it will start on a Sunday and you'll like see like Smash and his family like in one church and then like see like the white kids like across town in a different church. Very interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know the exteriors of those churches well enough, but I think that I can I can say with certainty that they went to the, <laughs> the black church <laughs> to discuss this. And yeah, I, I didn't even think about that kind of like civil rights connection, but that's so true. Yeah. So now it's, you know, the next day at practice and basically practice is being called to start and the black players are going to do what they're going to do. <laughs> Let's go. Got a lot of work to do today. A lot of work. Everybody feel good today? I can't hear you. Yeah, All right. I'd like to hear that, Mac. Let's call it. All right, you heard the man. Let's go. Get on the line. Stride it out on my whistle. Hmm. So all the black players have refused to run while the white players run, you know, as they're supposed to. Hmm. You boys deaf or something? I said on my whistle. Ready? Hmm. And now they remove their helmets. Okay, scene choreography. <laughs> I'm not gonna tell you again. Get your asses down there on my whistle. Oh my God, the only thing that's missing is the N-word. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah. And now they are walking off the field, led by Smash. Yeah, Eric is like, oh fuck, we're really fucked. So you think? <laughs> like, <laughs> he has hands over his head, like, oh, okay, it's happening. <laughs> also, the intense alternative rock music. I love 2007. <laughs> <laughs> 
So yeah, I think that it's a very visually stunning protest. Mm-hmm. You know, just seeing that line of of guys and they just all just stop and don't go and it yeah, I don't know. And then and so we're about to find out in the next scene there are 16 of them, 16 black players on the team and they all refuse to play. The irony of race is that it's always happening, but people always treat it as like these incidents come out of nowhere, you know? Because yeah. it's like people have been taking these for forever. Yeah. And so it's like every each decade has a thing of, of an event, you know, whether it's a personal event or whether it's a, now it seems to be more of a national event. There's just the same response to it. It's just crazy it's very very crazy just how perpetual it is you know i love a good strike and it's just it's cool because it's like they really know that they have a lot of value to this team like there's 16 of them mm-hmm. like they mm-hmm. that is all of their talents and labor and like hard work that got them all the way to state and mm-hmm. like they want to be they want to be recognized and treated with respect and like yeah the way that mac reacted to them taking collective action was like just everything has doubled down on the initial thing every action that has happened mm-hmm. since the initial interview has just doubled down his behavior yeah he has not he's been a very there's been a very flat arc not much change there yeah and like i think that you know he does have the moment that I, we're not going to watch because we just do not have time where he he does like kind of yeah, he clearly feels bad about it at a certain point, but right. uh, we'll get there. But, you know, he doesn't, he has a flat arc. He's, he's like, you know, I feel like he definitely has the, like, you can't teach an old dog new tricks vibes. Like, he feels, like feels like he's kind of, like, a, a lost cause. Like, I don't know if we can really get him on our side. Like, <laughs> getting right. him, like, neutral is, like, the goal. Like, you know? <laughs> yeah, literally. You're not going to change someone's mind like that. <laughs> yeah. He really thought that he, like, shut that shit down, clearly, with, like, what he said to Smash, and then he really got a rude awakening, and it's it's kind of it's kind of fun to see like the defiance, and they're all so like you know serious and and solid in the way that they they felt they walk out of there like it's very well orchestrated protest. I also think it was a very interesting choice to make it such a large number of black players, you yeah. know, because it could have gone. There's this idea that usually black people all think the same, and, and we often don't, you know, and so I, you know, I remember seeing in high school and, and people that looked like me just not having the same sort of, I guess, allegiance to who we are and what our history is. So I think right. the fact that all 16 of them could, you know, get together and, and, and stand one ground is, is very symbolic. Absolutely. Yeah. And and believe it or not, a black woman was the one who was like really like behind the the leader. Like, you know, like that like trend of there always mm-hmm. being that like woman who's kind of like Right. Right. <laughs> and also the uh, typical straight black man who is the most palatable to be the face of the movement leading everyone. Absolutely. Meanwhile, he didn't didn't even want to do it his damn self. Exactly. <laughs> like, like this, and the one to have the strongest reaction, like for sure, was Waverly, like in the initial yeah. scene. To the point where she was willing yeah. to walk out because people weren't taking it seriously. Like, mm-hmm. so yeah, I just think there's a lot of interesting stuff at play. That's, and again, I think the writing is just really good because it all feels very real. Very good. Yeah. Yep. The next episode, uh, Friday Night Lights, 116, sorry, 
116 Black Eyes and Broken Hearts, which originally aired on Valentine's Day 2007. This episode opens with Smash and the other Black players kind of like having a press conference because apparently this is like a thing that we do with <laughs> high school football <laughs> players in Texas. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> also, before we move on, what a way to intertwine Valentine's Day and Black History Month with that title. Yeah. <laughs> like, that is amazing. Black Eyes and Broken Hearts. <laughs> incredible incredible yeah see this is the kind of stuff that we're missing from like you know not having as much network tv that airs week to week is people having yeah. fun like that <laughs> yeah exactly but yeah so if, when the scene opens you can see that there are two different news vans outside of what i'm pretty sure is smash's house and they're kind of like holding a little little presser on their like porch and there's like <laughs> Oh, in my in my opinion, an insane amount of, right. of like reporters, and so they're gonna sort of give their statement about like why they're striking. Are you saying that black players are being treated differently than white players? No, it's not about the treatment. It's about the attitude. Look, right. All we want is equality and respect. Exactly. Yeah, right. Oh yeah. Well, there are 16 black players on the varsity roster. That's more than 25 percent of your team, and a lot of them are starters. Are you saying that blacks aren't getting enough opportunities to play? No, no, it's not about that. Yeah. All right, it's about about certain people in charge making assumptions about other players on the team just because yeah, of their right, color exactly, right, exactly. and nothing being done about it. That's you right, mean Coach yeah. McGill? Yeah, you heard what he said. Yeah. Coach McGill has already issued a public apology. Yeah, but those are just words. Are you saying you want him fired? That'd be a good start. Essentially, you, they've put on the record that they're going to play again when Mac is fired. So, gone. Mm. Yeah. Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. That's a big ass. It's a big ass. <laughs> a very big ass. It's a bunch of high school age kids calling for the end of somebody's, like, you know, income, if you really mm -hmm. think about it. Especially when they've been there for so long and in a, in a place like Texas where, you know, people like that are so beloved, you know? Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. 27 years, you know, bringing our boys to the state championships or whatever. Bullshit. Yeah, he's got town value. So that's where we're at. But I think it's really bold that they do that. Like, they really, mm -hmm. they go for it. Yeah, this show no stakes. I will definitely say that. <laughs> so the, the team has to dip into the JV team in order to fill out their roster. And it really doesn't go well like, <laughs> during practice. So you always love to see it. Like even in like, you know, I'm going to compare it to sort of like a labor strike. Like in a labor strike, the scabs are always like shittier workers. They have shitty training. They don't know what the mm. fuck they're doing. A lot of times, like, injuries go up when, like, scabs are in a workplace. Like, during the recent strikes that happened, like, last fall, like, within, like, hours of scabs starting at the John Deere plant, there was, like, some an ambulance called to the, the <laughs> factory. Yeah. So, like, it's just, like, a, it's a funny parallel to that, where it's, like, the JV players are almost, like, you know, like, non-union workers being t called in as temporary <laughs> replacements, and they're just, like, trash and like just shows why a strike is so powerful because the absence mm -hmm. of that labor is always going to show what the value is of it and that, yeah. yeah also i think when you're a teenager you don't know your power like that yeah <laughs> you know you don't know how much because it's so new to you you don't know how much worth you are to someone or are an institution like this school you know and so I think it's really cool to see that, to, to see that, you know, they're going to suffer without this black talent. Yep. 
Exactly. And so where we pick up with the black players is in the cafeteria where Tim Riggins is kind of like showing the JV players like the way of life or whatever, trying to get them ready for the state championship. And he directly kind of calls out the, the black players for not playing. Clearly, the white players are mad that, you know, they're stuck with these JV kids and we start to see the black players become a little bit fearful of like losing their chance to like succeed through football, which I think is definitely a parallel to all American. It's going to absolutely come into play in both instances. I'm going to take a good, long, hard look at this. This is a quitter. All right. Shut your drunk ass up. Took my spot, man. Who knows if I'm going to get it back? Be cool. All right. It's going to be all right. Man, I got to go to college. I'm this close to a scholarship. What you want me to do? Kiss that goodbye? Chill out. We all got something to lose. What are we going but do? it's a standoff. It all comes down to who blinks first. No, we getting down to it, man. I know. Y'all need to stop tripping. Things are getting are getting tense, and like it doesn't. It, it feels like you know. I feel like ab- when when you get to a certain point in like a strike and things aren't really folding, it can start to feel like a plateau. Mm-hmm. There's like no yeah. new momentum, you know. Yep. And you kind of question whether what you're fighting for is even worth it. Yep. And yeah, it's just like, it's very real that for a lot of, and it's not even, I mean, like it, it had, it's definitely like a trope that is real for a lot of like black players, especially from poorer areas that like, they might not be able to get a scholarship on their academic achievements, even if they're fine at school, but not like amazing. Cause like, it's harder to get an academic scholarship. Like, it's just like, yeah. not really a thing in this country anymore. Like, <laughs> Exactly. And it's so, hard for anyone to Yeah. Exactly. And so, like, the sport being the only way out of the hood, like, you know, trope is absolutely at play here. And yeah, it's rough. Yeah. It's rough to stick the course when you, you know, it's, it's, it's that balance between, like, how much is me personally doing well helping the cause versus, like, this other thing I'm trying to do to help the cause? And, like, where do the, I... The go? individual versus the community. Yeah. Current yeah. theme. Current theme. Mm-hmm. Back in McGill and Eric Taylor land, like, Eric Taylor is just basically, you know, obviously he is facing a lot of pressure to fire McGill. And he literally says to him, like, you know what's sitting on this table right now? Your termination. That's what, when, like, he's kind of being, like, why is this still, like, a thing? And the board of that, like, you know, funds the football program, wants them to fire Mac and just be done with it. Like, they just want to, like, stop the bad press. And so then Mac comes to Eric Taylor and, like, kind of says that, that stuff about how, like, he, you know, clearly his dad was a raging racist and (laughs) I don't remember the exact story he tells but it's something horrendous and you know clearly that got through to him and then he tries to submit his resignation sort of be like okay let's just make this be over and Eric Mm. Taylor like won't accept it and like it's like he gave 27 years to the program and and I'm I'm just like usually I really like Eric Taylor but this is not one of his finest moments (laughs) you should just have to do take his resignation and so Two reporters, Eric Taylor says that Mac will not be be fired and are keeping him on. So the black players are kind of left like with people calling their bluff, like, are you really not gonna play? And Tim comes and talks to Smash and he's like, dude, we like we need you, we need our leader back. Like he's kinda like, you know, being real with him. And the big game is the next day. So we're gonna watch Smash talk to his mom about the burden that all of this is and like, you know, very much what we were just talking about, the the personal versus the community coming into play and him trying to decide what to do as the game is the next day. And I especially wanted to watch this because there's a really similar 
similar scene between Spencer James and Grace James in the All-American episode. I just think it's really interesting to see what both Black moms have to say. Miss mm -hmm. McGill, miss. It's over. It's done. You hear me? No, no, it can't be done. I started all this. I'm up to my neck in it, but it's my fight. Plus, everybody taking their cues off of me. Look, I gotta stand firm and be their leader. You quitting football to try and make a point about racism in a small Texas town? That ain't the Million Man March. You are 17 and you got a brilliant future ahead of you, and I'm not gonna sit here and watch you throw it away trying to teach a lesson to a bunch of fools. <laughs> you know how you get back at people that think like Mac McGill? You get back on that team. You play like the star that you are, and you get recruited by A-list university. Go on and get your degree. Now you get up from here, get you something to eat, and get your butt in the bed, cause you going to that game tomorrow. What about everybody who said they weren't gonna play? You a leader, honey. They'll follow you. <laughs> I've heard that talk before. <laughs> <laughs> Especially having black immigrant parents, they're like, we did not come over from a whole entire other country and build a whole life for you to just be the martyr. Right. Like, get up and, and go do what we couldn't even dream of doing, you know, like, get your revenge by being the most realized version of yourself. Yeah. So I like, love that. At the end of the day, it's like, this is a state championship, and, like, this, this fucking white man is not worth it. And, Who's gonna always yeah. be in this town, has never left this town, like, will always be confined to this little world. Like, go be larger than life. That's how you get back at Yeah, them. and it does happen for Smash Williams. He is one of the characters on this show who canonically, like, makes it to the NFL. And in later seasons, which I just, like, really love about this show, they do a good job with this kind of consistency. Like, in later seasons, like, Tim, who does not have a good future we talked about him anyone who's listened to the episode about abolitionist tim riggins we we told that story because he ends up in the prison system so mm. tim ends up like working at a bar after he's out of prison and he like sees smash playing on the like tv like professional football so smash mm. definitely does you know get out of dylan texas and like do exactly what his mom said that he should do so that's pretty cool the next Day, the black players show up for the bus to the away game and they're just like you got any more room on that bus and they just say yes and have them come on the bus you know nothing more to it and so then during the game because all of this has been in the press the other team tries to like get into smash's head about the racism and shit and somebody one of the people on the other team starts saying racist shit to smash and then tim like jumps on him and the entire like both sides get into like a brawl and so i feel like in a also, way that is amazing foreshadowing because they <laughs> they planted the seed that so quickly and so subtly that the other team was already going to be a hot racist mess yeah and that it, it creates this whole entire drama within their town and they haven't even met the most like ultimate racist exactly <laughs> and then they're like hold my beer i'm gonna be racist on the field and then that unites oh. that ends up uniting the black and white players as they you know mm. tim ends up taking the punch for smash he's like it's it's yeah so it's it's they said they said we're not that racist we don't... <laughs> <laughs> this is a new type of racist we can't have, to have this shit <laughs> yeah no these white players had an awakening they were like what <laughs> Oh my god. Uh, and so the all-out brawl ensues and I think they win, but then basically this is very Texas. The plotline kind of, you know, like the unity between the team I feel like kind of plays out on the field and then they're a team again and they're going back home. And because of Texas, the sheriff basically of the opposing team like tries to come and arrest smash they oh like God. stop their bus on the side of the road and tries to say that they have a warrant out for smash's arrest you know 
which they don't have. Um, uh, high schoolers are rushed. Yes. Okay. Yes. So we're going to see what Mac does when his players are actually like for real, for real, it, like being, you know, faced with what, what being a black person actually means in this country. And mm. uh, he does kind of step up. So it's kind of the, the conclusion to the plot line. Sit down. Shut up. Calm down. stopping a yellow school bus. Right. I'm gonna need two of you to step the front of the bus here for me. It's right over here, please. We got prop. Nobody step foot off this bus. What do we do for you? We're looking for one of your players. One of my players? Smash Williams, coach. There's a whole lot it's of- like a runaway slave. Oh my God. We got an aggravated assault complaint and we are bringing him in for question. Telling me that you're gonna blame one of my players for what happened down that field this tonight. This is police business, coach. This ain't got nothing to do about football. Now you go on there and get that boy right now, or we will go in and drag him out ourselves. It's your call. Well, here's my call. You got a warrant, officer? Because if you don't got a warrant, we all know that you ain't gonna get on this bus. I can go get a warrant. That's fine. Didn't even have it. Mm. All night. Not the white savior. <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why is this shot like the office? <laughs> yeah, that one shot of Eric was, not, was the wrong vibe. Yeah. And, oh my god, this is sad. Yeah, no, and Smash. The slave master to cop pipeline, I could not. Right? Like, literally, we're talking about Texas, so, like, for real, for real, the slave master to cop uh, pipeline. <laughs> like, oh my god, yeah, no. So, I mean, like, obviously, I don't think that that absolves Mac of his sins, but it is, like, an interesting yeah. way to, like, sort of have him almost like be forced to act on his apology in that like you know he has to like prove that he at the end of the day wants to like protect those players and like sees them as like his players to protect and not like junkyard dogs like he said at the beginning of the fucking you know whole plot line who would theoretically need the cops to come grab them you know like mm -hmm. i do think it's interesting how it, i feel like whenever white people are in hot fire they jump for the first opportunity to apologize through an action that makes them the hero oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like i just it's very like if they can show that like oh i'm a good guy it could it, it feels like a moral attack on white people you know whenever they're accused of being racist so i, I think it's very interesting that's a, that was a good way to capture that like see i'm not racist i died I, you know i don't know just very, very interesting. So the final, final thing we're going to watch with this is just Smash asking Mac what happened to the cop. Hey, Mac, what happened back there with those cops? They made a mistake, so just like I did. I see you practice Monday. Interesting. Very interesting. Like he very, does very have, I do like that they force him to have another one on one moment with Smash after the one that they had had where he like fucking threatened to bench him, you know? And he is kind of forced yeah. to say, like, I was wrong. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. <laughs> that is so funny. I, I just think that <laughs> racism is so relative. It's like, oh, yeah, I feel this way. And it's, until they see someone who takes it up the notch, I'm like, oh, wait, no, we have that bad. <laughs> it's, just, it's just so funny to me. It takes, it takes the next extreme to basically be like, okay, now I'm going to be racist, but not that racist. Yeah, like, I'm not trying to have the cops take him. Like, damn. Like... Yeah, this is just football. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know.
know it's like it's like and in in the way that friday night lights tends to be and what i think is good about it it's like very imperfect but it feels very real mm -hmm. in its imperfection so i like that people find resolutions within their own natural space you know like it, it, it if he had done something any more overt, then it would just not be believable, you know? But I think that people usually change through situations as opposed to words being thrown at them. And right. I think this does a good job of showing that, you know, it, it takes action and, and being put in sticky situations to make people change their mindset and, and realize something that may have been said to them years and weeks or days before, but the situation allowed them to experience it for themselves. And so they can come to their own conclusions that way. So yeah. that was really cool. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, so that was the, the Friday Night Lights pre-Kaepernick plotline of a racial justice football strike. I think it was really cool for them to do at the time, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I like that at the in the end, Smash still went on to... to like, I've always liked Smash. He's always been a, a character that I appreciated. And he kind of, he has a journey, but he makes it out of there. Yeah. Also, he almost slightly resembles a 2004 version of Spencer. <laughs> yeah, honestly. They look similar, yeah. Yeah, 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 that's true. I don't know. It would have been cool if more of the players had been, like, named, you know? It, mm -hmm. it kind of, unfortunately, falls into the trap of Smash. It's, like, pretty much the only named Black player in the show, and so he therefore takes on the entire role of being... He's the gateway into that situation. Exactly. Yeah. So I would say that would be my one my one thing. That's always the case with me. I'm always like, I feel like we could have heard more from the workers. I don't know. Like... <laughs> so, yeah, no. Yeah. Well, also, it just... There's so much conflict and diversity of thought. You know, and so, yeah, I do agree that there's a missed opportunity when we make, you know, one character be the monolith, because especially now, no black person feels the same way about race. We all have our nuances based off of where we grew up or what we experienced. So, yeah, I definitely agree. It would be interesting to see if there were still players who did not rock with them after that, you know? Yeah. So now we're going to talk about All-American, which, you know, happened after Kaepernick. So I, I was like, I remember the, like, I remember it, but it also feels like it was happening in the background of my life because when Kaepernick mm -hmm. was happening was like us like just like getting out of college, beginning our adult lives because it happened in like 2016. I also feel like by that point, me personally, I had I had, I was transitioning out of my social activism that was rooted in the comfort zone of being in college to being like, but all that, <laughs> I'm a postgrad, I got my loan to in, I'm trying to figure out my shit. So I feel like, you know, from 2016, probably up until the pandemic, I just have been like, you know, all the attention has gone on the individual instead of the community. Cause it's just, you know, there was just, you gotta take care of yourself. <laughs> yep. Cause the, the society is gonna be the society regardless. So you really gotta just put yourself first and make sure that you're still, you know, prioritizing your own growth. Absolutely. So um, I would say like, Colin Kaepernick, because of NFL being the way it is, unfortunately, he tried to both do the individual of being a good football player and doing some, some activism, and NFL said no. So um, <laughs> I'm just going to quote from a sporting news article from 2020. And so then it's still is true today. So almost four years after he began protesting racial injustice and police brutality in America by sitting and then kneeling during the national anthem at NFL games, Colin Kaepernick remains out of a job. Now a 32-year-old three-agent quarterback who hasn't played in the NFL since the last week of the 2016 season 
He ended up spending six years with the 49ers before his peaceful protest led to his apparently getting blackballed by the league's team owners. So he has not played since late 2016. And something I didn't realize, but that I wanted to mention, because Jeff said that it often gets left out of the narrative about Kaepernick, is that he, so he originally was just sitting like on the bench during the national anthem as his protest. And then he talked to a former Seahawks player and veteran, Nate Boyer, who said that he should kneel instead. And he said that he had seen, come across a photograph of Martin Luther King Jr. kneeling in prayer and protest in Selma during the 60s. And he also remembered taking a knee at Arlington National Cemetery in reverence of like fallen friends since he, you know, was a veteran. And so he was like, this might be a more respectful way to do it and also have a connection to the civil rights movement of the past. I love that. I love that. Yeah. So, and because that's also something to totally say back at the people on the right who criticize him so much or so like support the troops. It's like a fucking veteran literally helped Kaepernick decide what the most respectful way to protest would be. And you're still mad about it. Like, yeah, I don't know. Americans have a very, uh, huge <laughs> view of history, you know, they, they, I feel like the more that time goes on, the more that people, you know, certain things will transcend and remain timeless, like music or movies and stuff but in terms of like social movements or, or, or you know what was happening within culture people have very very forgetful memories <laughs> yeah and then like what happened after that is that i think that it kind of faded for me into just the background of things that trump would rile people up about at shit mm. so i had kind of forgotten about that uh, because he was so you know it really was like every day a new thing so you couldn't even like pay attention to all of it literally pick any issue like right. there was so like yeah I, that's a good point once 2016 was in full effect yeah trump was literally giving us shit to stress over every single second of the every day, day. <laughs> and so he used to use the whole cavernic thing in his speeches and get the right all riled up about that shit so basically he's just continually been like i'm ready like every time that it's like a new what's it called jeff like a, a free agent is that it okay <laughs> Whenever that has happened, he has been like, I'm ready. I've been working out. I'm ready to be called back in. And no one calls him every time. He's, He's too probable to be seen as too difficult. Yep. Yeah. It, it... He was cut from me. He was uh, falling off from his, like, grace, his, like, highest fame. He was, like, in the Super Bowl and stuff. But he was still, like, 20-something. Probably to get, like, 22 or 23rd ranked quarterback. Mm. At 30 feet, plus their backup. It's not like he was in professional caliber. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, who wants to be associated with that? You know, it's, it's people like happening or causes like that are only cool when they're trendy. You know, if if it's if it's gonna trump the business of, of football, like it's, it's, yeah, it's not really attractive to really you know attach yourself to someone like that, which you would think would not be the case in 2016. But I'm like. Here we are. <laughs> yeah, and yet it's still the case theoretically in twenty. Still the case. Yeah, and e even even with all of these initiatives and programs and <laughs> where are the black this and where is the black that? It's like y'all don't really want black people. <laughs> like y'all want people who can be what's palatable at the moment, you know? Because I'm like, I even feel like with TV, like people, I was writing very black extreme content in 2016 when I first got to LA, I was taking meetings and stuff. And I feel like the same people that I now see doing all these programs to find black writers, I was like, you knew black writers. Yeah. <laughs> you, you knew them. You, you just did not want a certain type of black writer that wasn't gonna, you know, include you in the conversation or make you 
feel absolved of what you've done, you know? And so, yeah, it's not surprising. It's not surprising at all. And then basically this whole conversation returned to the public consciousness back in 2020 with the George Floyd and Breonna Taylor protests because the mm-hmm. NFL wrote like a bullshit racial justice statement after the way they treated Kaepernick and everyone was like, are you fucking kidding me right now? And so people started kneeling again at protests in 2020. And now we're here in 2022. And the other day, definitely early February, I was getting ready to Google some Colin Kaepernick, you know, refresh myself. It's been a few years. And the first articles I see from like a day earlier are Colin Kaepernick heckled after attending Knicks game with Spike Lee. So, oh Lord, have like, mercy! So it's def- the sports community is definitely not still not feeling him, and it's yuck, it's, it's gross. But I think that we should keep it in mind because I think that all American tries to imagine a world where there aren't this level of consequences for speaking out about racial justice right. in the white dominated sports world. But in reality, I think that we're not there yet. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So we're going to switch to All-American. I think it's just so cool how there's so many things in common between these two plot lines, and yet they're both so, so defined by their time at the same time. Like At the same time, yeah. Like, the fact that that was about interpersonal racism, whereas this is about the institutional, like, systemic racism. Like, this is about police brutality. And, right. and I think even cooler is the fact that if you're going to create a fictional case of ret- police brutality that happens in Crenshaw, which is basically what happens, and that's why they get so involved in this, because it's, like, one of our own... Mm-hmm. is that they also picked a black woman so that they could like highlight the fact that people don't give as much of a fuck about black women getting killed by the police as they seem to about mm-hmm. black men getting killed by the police and so i just feel like they like wrap a lot of social issues up into this in a really cool way which is important because you know we saw with friday night lights how once waverly gives the the black words of wisdom She's like the mentor character. She disappears yeah. after that, <laughs> yep. you know? And so I think it's it's important that an All-American kind of takes to the next step and, and acknowledges the people who are being left out of the narrative. Yeah, absolutely. And even though the football players end up using their own, you know, platform here, like, yeah, the, the, the like, between Kia and Olivia, like, the Black women are definitely, like, and Coop, they're all, like, front and center in this fight, which is awesome. Which is also important because... <laughs> Black LGBT and queer people mm-hmm. are also <laughs> just as much left out. Absolutely. And so as early as the 10th episode of season three, Kia is seen making signs at Slauson Cafe for Tamika Pratt. And Coop joins her and she's just kind of like, oh, I can't believe they didn't arrest the cops yet. And they're saying all Tamika did was fall asleep in her car and she got murdered. So that's the first introduction that this is happening. One episode before it actually like begins, begins. But... Um, I think it's an interesting choice to just have it sort of be like, like it's not like the first time it's introduced isn't like this vigil. It's like just Kia casually like making signs at Slauson Cafe kind of in the background of the characters' lives and then it becomes something that's in the forefront. Which is very similar to how Brianna Taylor, I feel like kind of panned out. Cause Absolutely. It was, the pandemic had just started, so everyone was really adjusting to that. But in the midst of all the pandemic stuff on my timeline, Brianna was just appearing more and more. 
to the point that it just like <laughs> became just as loud as the pandemic. Yeah. So in All American 311, the bigger picture, which since we're talking about the time, it originally aired April 26, 2021. So this is like not only post cap, it's post 2020. Yeah. So I think All American made a very deliberate choice with season three to be like, we are taking on racial justice this season. Yeah, and the season started, if you remember, I think we talked about it in our last podcast, but All-American, it started with them, uh, Beverly Hills, making the Black Lives Matter, like, mural in the, oh in the, my God. In the hallway or whatever. <laughs> and yeah. so I like that they didn't just leave it at that, like, they really pushed it. And, like, it made sense to me that that yeah. would be what they did at Beverly Hills, and that this is more Absolutely. of a Crenshaw-focused thing. Absolutely. There's another piece of this that we're going to talk about less, because we're going to have already talked about it in the episode I'm doing with Liv, where we're talking about Olivia's journey with just being mixed race and I feel like mm. her her part in this where she leaks the footage and such which we're going to talk about a little bit but the the main meat of that we already have discussed so if you want to hear even more about Olivia Baker specifically in this plot line you should go back to episode two um, yes I will stay out of that biracial mess <laughs> <laughs> oh my god so the first clip we're going to watch is the vigil they have for Tamika Pratt and like a, most of our main characters are at this vigil and you know coop speaks and everything and spencer this is the football comes into it right before he's on the way to uh, the vigil spencer is with a recruiter and he tells the recruiter like oh i'm late for a vigil sorry and the recruiter says to him like don't let your social justice thing get in the way so already mm. we have that coming like the 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 attitude of like don't be another cap is kind of like mm -hmm. is very much alive so we're gonna watch the vigil i just feel like it does a really good like it shows kind of all the issues of the of the tamika pratt case where is everybody i thought there'd be a bigger crowd sadly <sighs> this was pretty much what I expected. Cries of injustice around black women's murders are always so much quieter. Sandra Bland, Rihanna Taylor, Rumi Fells. Sadly, I could go on for days with that list. Kia, I think the family's ready to get started. Let's do it. The stage is ready. Oh, Mo, this is my friend Olivia Baker. She's going to be covering our event on her podcast. Oh, that's right. The DA's daughter. Does your mother know you're here? Mm -hmm. She does. I've listened to your podcast. And it's kids like you and Kia that give me hope for this next generation. They're all wearing Justice for Tamika shirts, by the way. My cousin Tamika is so much more than just a hashtag. She was my rock. The one person I can call in time of need, and she'd always have my back, no questions asked. If she cared about you, let's face it, applies to everyone in her life. She always kept it 100 no matter how much that truth might have stunned. Tamika, today we give you flowers because the cops who murdered you robbed us of the opportunity to do so in person. And by blatantly hiding the body cam footage, they're robbing you of justice. My beautiful black women, these flowers are also for you. They're here to say, we love you, we see you, and we will always protect you. Waking up believing the world is our oyster. Loving life as we stroll down the street, walking like we got clouds under our feet. Daydreaming of the Goliaths we know we can defeat. That's what Tamika deserved. A future full of possibilities like falling in love over the dopest conversation, making it to her college graduation or shoot, just making it to another morning salutation. That's what Tamika deserved. A world that loved her as beautiful and as black as she was. Not a police system that judged and failed her. Not a grown man with a badge and a gun that was scared of her. 
the acknowledgement of the brilliance okay? that was her. That's what Tamika deserved. That's what all of us black women deserve. Because our love, despite what it endures, our bodies continue to nurture and reassure. Our minds, our strength, the constant cure. So a thank you is what Tamika deserved. The poems, the praises, the flowers, those are all gifts that should have been left at her feet. Not a bullet in confusion as she dared to sleep. This is why we all here today, because her story is not complete. Justice is what she deserves. And until she gets it, we're gonna fight. Right here in these streets, we're gonna fight. And I want y'all to take your flower and raise it up in the air right now. If you feeling me. Nope, don't do that. Don't compare. You and Tamika are different. Am I that obvious? You're that hard on yourself. You know, the truth is, is that we're not that different. We're both young black women. We both drank. Both drove. And I mean, the only difference is that Tamika had the good sense to pull over and try to sleep it off. And I just kept driving until I crashed. I know. And because I'm the white DA's daughter, the cops offered me a ride home and Tamika got a death sentence. How is that fair? It's not. It's not fair. It's not fair. And it's also not your fault that you're alive and Tamika isn't. Yeah, well, Tamika isn't alive to fight for her own justice. But I am. So yeah, I, d I just wanted to include that last bit because I think it's really cool and good that in the spotline, they continually have the characters go back to their own experiences of the police. Mm -hmm. Like, I love that coop moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I can't even begin to figure out where life and art <laughs> and it's like this could very much be real this could this has happened before you know so yeah. I, I i don't know it's just because they captured it very well and yeah like we said like love that they really highlighted that like that wasn't that big of a crowd like at all like the fact that it's a smaller crowd because it's a black woman like it just yeah they really nailed it Mm -hmm. After that, I okay, I wrote this quote down and I can't remember who said it, but like maybe I'll find it later and like edit it in. Somebody said to specifically to Spencer, everyone's apologizing to Cap now, but has anyone offered him a spot back in the league? Like mm. basically, which is like based on what I read, like, yeah, that's like, yeah, they're apologizing and shit. Like Cap got like a settlement from the NFL, but like no one's hiring him to do. He wants to play football. Like no one's hiring him to <laughs> do that. That's what he originally came to do. Yeah. Yeah, no. Um, and apology doesn't, you know, really acknowledge the way that this has derailed his his career trajectory. Plot wise, what happens next and that you can kind of see bubbling there for Olivia is that she confronts her mom about the footage that hasn't been released since her mom's white DA, as she said, and then she goes and steals the footage and straight up airs it on her podcast. One thing that I appreciate from her speech is she says there has to be a better system, and I'm like, yes, girl, the system is the problem. It needs to be, and right. like, okay. Exactly. Um, and so then in the next episode, 312, Fight the Power, which aired on May 17th, 2021, we really get into the thick of like the football players deciding to, you know, use their value as, as football players players to their advantage for the protest so first of all in a parallel to fnl the south crenshaw boys are all feeling like it's their season it's their time to shine the, the you know the last playoff game is looming above them they're having a great season like you know the stakes are high for sure <laughs> 
you know, the last episode ended with the footage getting leaked. In this episode, the the aftermath of the footage getting leaked begins to to come into play. And, Olivia... and that's where the real drama is. Oh yeah. In the aftermath. Oh yeah. And so Olivia kind of pops out and is like, "I gave it to them." When they're like, "How did?" <laughs> and so then we come to Spencer sitting in Slauson Cafe with Kia and Chris, who is kind of like Chris and and Spencer are the two leaders of the South Crenshaw football team for sure and mm-hmm. they are having a conversation because now that what happens often in these cases is like the initial thing happens people might talk about it for a while and then it peters out and then footage is released and then it comes back it to the so you, you open the wound all over again exactly and so that's very much happening here like even though you heard kia talking about this issue two you know two episodes ago now it's like the footage is actually released and everyone's talking about it again and i think that here they do a really good job of having spencer like flashback to his own experience of the police and like making it very clear that that's kind of where his head's at when it comes to this issue. One thing I uh, must add real quick is that I love the way, in terms of the difference between Friday Night Lights and this, is that it's not contained to a situation in an episode. You know, yeah. it, it is still, like in real life, coming up over and over again, traumatizing you over and over again and making you think about yourself in relation to it over and over again when you're literally just trying to get through life. Yes. <laughs> you know? And so, yeah, I, I just think I really love that. Yeah, no, that's like the the reality of fucking police brutality in this country. Like, it really, really is. Yeah. Um, not even police brutality, just policing existing in this country the way it's meant to, TBH. Yeah, and just, uh, just, the, just the broken systems yeah. that we have in America that, exactly. that just continue to break and everyone's like, okay. Yeah. God. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll go to Slauson Cafe. It was clear as day. She was only 21. I am too young to be feeling this tired. Words I tell myself every day. Every millennial. But we can't stop fighting. I mean, it's our lives are taking over. Could you imagine? What are you boys doing in this neighborhood? You serious right now? You ain't even made nothing. You've done nothing wrong, man. I killed everyone. I killed everyone. Oh! Keep looking at me. Keep looking at me. Keep looking at me. Spencer. Yeah. You okay? Yeah, I'm good. I, uh, I I asked if you've heard from Olivia. I had her up this morning, but it went straight to voicemail. So this is the the parallel to the last episode where Smash talks to his mother about like this whole burden and whether he should take it on as a fight himself while this while like very serious games for his football career are happening. You know, senior year, so the big year for figuring out what your future is going to be. And Spencer talks to his mom about balancing those two things and definitely parallels to Smash's conversation. Hey, Ma. Hey! So, what do you think? (laughs) Helpful. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) You too, Keith. I don't know why. Feels kind of wrong focusing on the big game with all this real life stuff happening. Okay, first, making it to the playoffs, securing your future, and his school future is real life stuff. But I get it. Seeing that Tamika Pratt video must have been hard on you. It's hard for me. Uh, I haven't seen it. I need to. I lived it. Come on, my Jordan and I almost came just like Tamika. But you didn't. And while this war the police is raging against us is really messed up, you can't stop living, son. You guys fought to play this game on Friday. You almost had the playoffs. You did that, Spencer. There's no shame in finding joy in that. Otherwise, those bastards win. We can fight for justice for Tamika and focus on the game on Friday. They don't have to be mutually exclusive. 
love Grey Cave. Mm, <laughs> me too. Also, yes, very interesting parallel because Friday Night Life is like, you need to focus on this, you know, like you need to focus on being you. But like, I feel like from 2007 to now, people who have been Black parents during that period, like we have seen that there's nothing you can do to basically, you know, kind of shield your Black child from this. And so I right. think it's very interesting that Spencer's mom allows him to have space for both because they're both as important. In the year 2021, there's no way you're telling your like Black teenager not to march for police brutality. Like, then that's completely different landscape than it was in 2007 like yeah and like social media has definitely played a role in that for sure like oh definitely well also i just think there's more of a national like hell global language the response that we saw to george floyd in 2020 was global yeah (laughs) so absolutely you know I, I think this is the first time, well, not the first time, the first time in a while, I'd say, because the, the early 2000s, we were just coming off of 9-11, you know, and 2007, that's Virginia Tech territory, you know? Oh, yeah, and so true. there was a lot of other, they were still happening, there was still the Sean Bells and all of that, but like, there was a different focus in the country at that point. So each, each response makes sense to where we were at in America at that point. So Olivia leaked the footage and it's like known that Olivia leaked the footage. So people are camped outside of like the Baker house, like reporters and Spencer and Kia come to visit her. She is grounded for leaking the footage. And you know, she's like her locking me in the house and trying to silence me isn't going to work. And Kia's immediately like, okay, what's the game plan? Spencer's like, like, hold up. Aren't you in enough trouble? Like, are you really trying to do more right now? Like, and and they they sort of convince her that it's a marathon, not a sprint, and that she should pass the baton on. Yes. Calm down, biracial race. Calm down. (laughs) Yeah, she's definitely going through, she's going through a journey right now. (laughs) And so they're talking, and somebody mentions the word field. So they're like, what's your plan? And Spencer's like, hold up, I got an idea. So he, I, I think partially inspired by his mom saying we can do both. It's like, what if we did both at the same time? At the football game. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the initial conversation that happens is being a very, you know, this is a different kind of team than the Friday Night Lights team. They have a black coach who, you know, Spencer sees as a mentor and a, like a father figure. So Spencer goes to Chris, his co-captain, and Coach Baker in his office to talk about potentially having the team protest for Tamika Pratt at their Friday game. You gotta be kidding me. What happened? I'm too young to be this time. No, 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 I stand by what I said, but this ain't the way to <laughs> justice. I'm just talking about the team taking the knee during the end. Ain't no just about it, Spence. What the hell is your problem, man? Yo, Coach Baker, can you talk to him? You good, coach? Yeah, just a little bit of head. Yeah, look, I can disagree. What happens? I have to disagree with respect. All right, look. Tamika was from our hood, our school. Friday's game is the perfect opportunity for us to take a stand. No, ready in my place to take sides. But Spence, you gotta understand what you're, what you're asking the team to go through. Exactly. Like, you already got college interest, but what about the players who can't afford to take a stand? They final season could be cut short. For what? For kneeling during the anthem? Yes. Schools yeah. can and have been known to suspend athletes who kneel. And if we suspend it, that means no playoffs, no championship. And Carter wins. Our program loses everything. And for some of those other cats, that also means they shot at college recruitment. Look, fellas, I stand behind y'all and, and supporting Tamika, but uh, when it comes to this Friday's game and the decision that's made, it's gotta be unanimous. The entire team, everyone or no one. Well, it ain't unanimous, so you got your answer. 
okay? They said, do not let these marijuana clouds and palm trees fool you. They will still suspend our ass in California. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my gosh. We're coming up against the same recurring theme, obviously. I really like... There's actually a parallel to what you were saying about there not being multiple named Black players in Friday Night Lights. Right. The cool thing about All American is that we get to see that... Just in a couple of scenes prior, they're all talking about the sadness that they felt about Tamika. But now when stakes are being raised and when they're, you know, it infringes upon their personal growth, now we get to see that interesting conflict of being like, I'm black, but like, I want to have a life. Yep. Yeah, I, I like Chris as a character. He's, he's, he's a cool guy. Mm-hmm. Also, yeah. their arc has been really interesting in terms of them being up and down and just navigating Spencer going between the schools. Yeah. yeah, and they're now at this point where they have they have gotten through the initial awkwardness of Spencer, you know, transferring back from Beverly Hills, and they're all united as a mm-hmm. team. But are they united enough to to unanimously decide to take a knee during the anthem? Yeah. I don't know. Spencer, Spencer, Spencer was still able to go to a Beverly Hills and, and choose to come back. You know, right. like it's, it's still a very different experience. Yeah, and Chris definitely pointed that out. Like, like, even if Spencer was thinking to himself, like, oh, maybe this will hurt my college chances. It's like, well, maybe for you, but definitely for everyone else. Definitely like, everyone else for isn't us. you. Like, <laughs> yeah. 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 So now we're just going to watch a really short scene where Spencer talks to the baker. They call him GW. It's the grandfather of Olivia and Jordan. And he basically brings an intergenerational perspective of having participated in the 92 riots. And mm. um, I really found that interesting to have him sort of give his perspective on everything that's happening, of what Olivia did, you know, what his granddaughter did leaking the footage. As we discussed in the second episode, GW is not a fan of Laura Baker or the fact that his, you know, son married, married a white woman. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh... <laughs> so we're going to watch Spencer talk to GW and that intergenerational activist connection. I know our fries are good, but they ain't driving across town good. I'm waiting for my useless grandson. He late <laughs> CP time. Don't you have a game tonight? Yeah. Yeah, I'm headed back there now. Looking forward to seeing Chris show in the playoffs. Careful, Pops. Kind of sounds like you're rooting for us. <laughs> Just don't tell Billy. <laughs> hey, can I ask you something? Depends what you want. You were part of the 92 LA riots, right? I think I remember Jordan saying something. Crazy to think that we still fighting that same fight against police brutality all these years later. Was protesting worth it? Been through a lot of protests, son. It's always worth it. I just wish I'd had the courage to do more, like my granddaughter, getting into that good trouble, that necessary trouble. Okay, Congressman Lewis. (laughs) Now, there's a man who laid it all on the line to make things better. May he rest. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, I really, I really like that. Yeah, because protesting, it wasn't, I don't want to say the stakes were high, but the stakes were higher back, you know, during that time period. I mean, even before then, you know, I I feel like protest now, we have the luxury of being like, do I want to commit to myself versus the community versus back then? They didn't really have that choice, you know, like it it was, they weren't allowed the luxuries that we now can consider in a way, you know? And so I think that was a really... He, it would make sense that his grandfather would say something like that because I think it's going to be more important as time goes on to protest because the more time goes on, the more things become very subtle and just like ingrained in ways that are very gray. They're not so fixed, you know, they're not yeah. such an easy thing to 
point out. And so I think it's going to be more important as time goes on that people band together and, and take stands against things. Yeah, and I personally, like, am totally chill with GW saying that what Olivia did was, like, her getting into good trouble because, I mean, personally, mm -hmm. I believe in abolition, so I don't believe that the cops that shot Tamika getting, like, you know, indicted or whatever is justice for Tamika, so... Right, right, because so, there's going to be another Tamika. There's going to be... Right. Just, you know, it, it won't change. Like, individual, just... individual cops are not the problem. It is the entire system of policing. Also, every time a cop does this, when we get into their backstory, they've been doing this. <laughs> so it, it can't be contained to one predicament because there's it's a practice that they do. So I I don't know it's it's it's, it's kind of cute that he's proud of his granddaughter for doing that. <laughs> Especially considering they had a weird start to their relationship because very weird yeah. start, yeah. So and so yeah, and so I, I also just like appreciate that Spencer kind of like generally seeks out the advice of his elders for yes. their wisdom. Yes. Like he went to yes. Grace, then he went to GW, like I also love that you know, it's because social activism in my opinion has become such a personality trait. Oh yeah. I often <laughs> feel like with social media people act like they're doing this for the first fucking time. And I'm like to know history is to know that we're just literally just doing this now with iPhones. Yep. <laughs> but I love that respect for history and that respect for POV, you know, to see someone who has witnessed the first black president, but then also witnessed the response to the first black president and, has, you know, has, has lived to see beyond what Dr. King could have envisioned, you know? Yep. And so I, I love that. Spencer bridges that gap and, and seeks that knowledge and still sees it as valuable to then inform his actions. I just wanted to watch us have Grace James go off a little bit because I think yes. that, yeah, I just love the role that she has in the story and that like black mothers have in this, these two stories in general. Also combats the, the myth of the black PTA mom not being a thing. She is such a black oh PTA God. mom, but she is yes. still so black. I love her for that. That is so true. She's always up in the school of some posters. It's so true. Always. I love it. So uh, the reason that I love this speech is because yeah. even though I don't think the CW sees it this way and I think they're kind of towing the line i i have a reading that she's saying like the whole damn system has to be thrown out <laughs> like mm. it's the closest thing that the cw is ever going to get to saying abolition now and i'll take it <laughs> you know what i mean like um, right. and so she kind of like she's having a conversation specifically with laura baker who is dealing with her daughter like knowing her mom is complicit in the system and having stolen the footage and you know laura's kind of like Ooh, I would have killed to be on the CW notes call for this episode. I, yeah, so let's watch it and, and yeah. <laughs> Not white tears. She's having a week. <laughs> In her pants suit. Ooh. Oh, Laura her Baker. Her pants suit. <laughs> Billy, I... Oh. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll give you some privacy. Because this is none of my business. <laughs> She's too nice. Too nice. Where are the tears? I assume you've seen the news. Hard to miss. Yeah. You're raising two kids all by yourself. Do you ever second guess the decisions you make? Yeah. Oh, Lord. Oh, honey, I second guess everything. The trick is just not let anyone see it. What do you do when you fail? I mean, my own daughter doesn't trust that I cared enough to fight for Tamika. I mean, does Olivia really think that I'm some kind of a racist? Or even worse, 
complicit? Girl, you complicit. I cannot speak. You complicit, girl. It's thinking. Like. <laughs> but I promise you that she loves you. And she doesn't think the worst of you. Her need to stand up for what's right, that comes from you. She told me as much. Her passion and commitment to justice aren't accidental. I appreciate that. Yeah. Everything's so messed up right now. Right now. This case. <laughs> At home, in the world. I believe you want justice for Tamika. And I know you want laws to change for the sake of your own family. But did you really believe that your internal investigation would have made a difference? I believe the system is capable of change. <laughs> Some systems. Maybe. But not ones that are predicated on our oppression since the beginning. You don't think reform is possible by reading out the bad apples? Every time a, no, girl. a black person, even more boys in blue stay silent. That's a whole lot of bad apples. Mm -hmm. Our justice system is fundamentally broken. That's just the truth. That's why Olivia took such extreme measures. Mm -hmm. She wasn't doubting you. She was just fed up with an entire system who keeps killing people who look like her. Boom. So get out your feelings, girl. Got nothing to do with you. <laughs> Mike dropped from Grace James. And how the fuck did the CW let that shit air? Like... Uh, I'm telling... I want to be on that nose call. Like, I want to hear what they said. Did she not just explicitly say that reform wasn't possible? Like... <laughs> I think, it's, you, know, you know, I really feel like that period of white people be like, all right, we'll move out your way and let's yeah. say what you want to say. They keep it, it hot. That, that black writer was like, okay, I'm going to write it all down and they're going to not even stop me right now. Like, right. What you going to say to that? <laughs> so, yeah, that was amazing. Also, I, think, I think also they know that that's like how people nationally feel. Like, people are fed up. There's nothing you could say. There's no black space that you can put in office that's going to change this. So it's yeah. like, you know, yeah, everyone feels this way, and, and, and you have to acknowledge that. That's the whole point of making good TV. You're supposed to be capturing what people are feeling, you know? So Yeah, and it's just like, you know, when you really think about it, like, at least, like, the, the modern Black Lives Matter movement, like, that shit started in, what, like, 2014? Like, so mm -hmm. if you've been, like, like we have, like, I feel like that was, I think Trayvon Martin was obviously the beginning that was, our, that was, yeah, when we were in college, yeah. Like, that, because that was, like, right, Trayvon was, like, 2012, right? So that was, like, right before college, and then... And the verdict was the summer after freshman yes, year of college. Yes, so. And so, like, yeah, and so, like, that starting into, and then in 2014, everything happened in Ferguson, and then things really, Ferguson, like, oh, my God. Yeah, it's, like, every two years with this shit. Yeah, and <laughs> so, like, so, like, we, you know, marched for Ferguson back in college, and then a mm -hmm. whole nother group of people became radicalized you know during the 2020 mm -hmm. like round of this and so yeah people are fucking tired like we're fucking like we've even people who have only been conscious of this for that long have been through enough different ones to see like go the same way every single fucking time um, and, and then you threw a pandemic on the people oh exactly. no exactly. <laughs> we are through we are not even 30 yet <laughs> <laughs> This is supposed to be in our quote-unquote prime. Oh, man. So I just felt like I needed to include mm -hmm. that because I thought that, you know, it was amazing. And it clearly shows the, the show's position on this. And I, I appreciate mm -hmm. it. You know? Yeah, me too. Me too. So our final, yeah. our final theme we're going to watch is South Crenshaw, like, actually, you know, doing the damn thing. It's their last chance to make the playoff. And right before the game is about to start, Spencer basically puts it all in one. It's like, we should protest. And he'll... 
that people agree and so we, i guess we'll we'll describe anything that's visual as it goes but i definitely think there's a lot of visual parallels here between the friday night lights scene and this all-american scene where it's kind of like the protest scene mm-hmm. so and yeah and spencer gets a nice a nice speech too it took a lot of courage to get here but it's gonna take that and a lot more for us to win tonight this is our last chance for us to make playoffs. Y'all fought hard to get here, but I need y'all to lay it all out on the line tonight. No matter what happens, I want to be proud. Coach, can I say something? Lay it all on the line. There's been a lot of that talk lately, right? Hey, man, we fought like hell this season, y'all. And not just for a chance at the playoffs, not just for a state title. Now we fought to save this football program that saved so many of us, but now there's something bigger to fight for. Rome is burning. And as much as we'd all like to bury our heads in the sand, we can't. Not when we're being hunted. Our fathers, mothers, brothers, and sisters hunted. Our future kids hunted. The one person taking the video. <laughs> if we do nothing. This is 2021. Mika, for George, for Brianna, for Elijah, for ourselves, man. If we don't do that, then when's it going to stop? The power lies within us now. Hey, your special's right. So we kneel during the anthem in order to protest. Not you still at the moment where you didn't want to do it at first. That's not going to be enough no more. We go big or we go home. Ooh. Yeah, let's get us to forfeit the game. Uh, it was one of ours! Oh, my God. Tamika can't fight for herself no more, but we can Look, I know this means ending our season. I understand the sacrifice I'm asking y'all to make. That's why it's got to be a team decision. It's either all of us or none of us. And whatever y'all decide, I'll stand by it. All right, gentlemen, show of hands. No judgment. All in favor. All right, they're running out of the field, y'all. What are they going to do? The coin flip is happening. This is fun. Of course, the, the captains of the other team are both white. And, and here they go. Yep. Spencer whispers something to the ref, and then they uh, they drop down to a knee. Right? Yep. The white kids are like, what the fuck is happening? What is going on? And then all of the guys on the sideline are also one by one taking a knee. And okay. uh, Coach and Billy is going. stressed. Yeah, Billy's like, all right, let's here do this. If this is true, this officially ends their run for the state championship. Their season's over. They they sacrificed everything. Yeah, Beverly Hills. Offer to help me still stand. Ah, 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 ah. Okay, so back on the field, the black players on the opposite team have taken a knee and are raising their fists. And the white players, one guy's like, no, we gotta do it too, y'all. And now the rest of the white players are like, all right, I guess we gotta do it. <laughs> this is me commentating sports. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Oh my god. He said 
want to show a fellowship. And as we said before, in real life, we're not there yet. No, absolutely not. I mean, it's beautiful. Like, I love it. But we are not there yet. Yeah. Yeah, so that happens, and they end their season, and GW says, boys did good, and Billy's like, I'm damn proud, and they have a callback where somebody said, I'm sorry it ended like this, and Spencer says, I'm not, some fights are worth it. So they go into that fully believing that they have ended their season. It's cool because, like... They're 100% referencing Cap and being like, okay, the way that we protest in football now is that we kneel during the anthem. And they were Mm going to just do that. And then Spencer's like, no, we have to do more. And like, Mm -hmm. I kind of appreciate that because it's like they they didn't want to just do that. They wanted to like push, they wanted to push beyond. Yeah. Because actions don't really, I feel like with these type of things, they almost lose their power the more that more and more people do them without pushing or or like, you know, explaining what they're doing you know it's just really easy to either commodify action or kind of brush over it if you don't really have like an ask or a cause right of awareness attached to it you know yeah and so basically in the next episode one of the players stops by and asks billy if he's mad about last night Billy says he's proud, but he's setting up a scrimmage game to invite scouts to so that the boys who want to be recruited by colleges can get seen by by scouts. And so they try to get the Beverly Hills team to play them in this scrimmage. And the Beverly Hills coach doesn't want to let her boys play because they're still in, in you know, contention for the state championship. But the, the Beverly Hills boys basically are like, no, we're going to play for them because they took a stand for police brutality and they deserve to all, like, have a shot at college, basically. And when the Beverly Hills coach shows up, she comes with some major news and she's like, Spencer's speech from the last game went viral, which is why it was super heavy handed that somebody was filming it. Filming it. <laughs> and the teams across the country were now taking a knee. And so now South Crenshaw is still in the running because they have decided that they are not going to disqualify anyone who forfeited for that reason. And wow, that, it's nice to dream. And that is the team drama way that we get South Crenshaw back in the running while right. still having them do impactful action. Exactly. <laughs> this is the um, utopia we are living in. We're going with it. Yeah. And so then, like, also, like, Olivia and Spencer are kind of, like, focused on as, like, both of them being, like, these, like, activists for social justice or whatever. And I, I like that they have this whole plot line where Spencer tries to force Olivia to, like, let Black Joy be their activism for the day. And mm. he, like, actually gets her to eventually, like, see that. And so that's cool. I feel like they do a really good job of just showing all the different ways to like be like a member of your community who is like engaged and such but also when to pull back and like Mm -hmm, be mm -hmm. a person who has like their own life you have to (laughs) you have to find balance yeah yeah and then the next episode after that 314 westlake who they're playing in the new playoffs game is one of the only teams that didn't kneel at all and so now the teams are kind of being like judged by whether or not they knelt during the time when everyone was and so cam who's going to be an all-american homecoming is like kind of like spencer kind of like is on him about it like you didn't even kneel you know mm-hmm. and then when the all-american homecoming like backdoor pilot happens spencer talks to damon about what it felt like to protest and so because like he's like oh i saw you in the news about that shit so like they're oh setting, God, we'll collide. i know they're setting spencer up to be like you know i don't know like if this was actually his story if we were going to believe this was an actual true story like he would be coming up into 
college football as somebody who's known as a social justice activist. So just as much as he's known for his playing. Exactly. So it's a really interesting arc, and I'm interested to see what they do with it because like we're like mid season four now, and it looks like they're about to have them transition to college because I think they're trying to like catch up in the timeline to the to the spinoff. Mm-hmm. I think they're gonna graduate in the episode that's that's about to return this month. So. Holy shit! Where is the time going? I know. I know. It happens so fast with teen dramas. It really does. And then and there's the yeah. age question of what they do next. And sometimes they do a good thing and sometimes they do a bad thing. So I hope that all American will make it work. <laughs> yeah. Because um, also I think that's an interesting time period that really isn't captured so well. Yeah. No, um, in terms of like good college really shows interesting are stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And just I feel like the resolution of being your high school self versus going to college, like that's a really interesting sector that's ignored. Absolutely. So yeah, that was our that was our two football strikes for racial justice, fifteen years apart, and very much the same. Same energy. Same energy because, as we've said again and again on this show, the shows are going to keep on showing these issues as long as they're still happening. And unfortunately, exactly. Yeah. So, and Hopefully yeah. the next generation are the students just throwing, overthrowing the whole entire system. That's the next scene drama we're looking for in the next 10 years. I mean, we've yeah. already got, like, the Wilds and Yellow Jackets, like, really A going euphoria, off. Just yeah. being like, the kids are like, fuck it off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, All-American is like, uh, we will create the utopia that we deserve. <laughs> I know. <laughs> So we'll have to, you'll have to wait 10 years for the next episode of the, <laughs> the parallel. <laughs> and then I also think it's just like football is deeply political, y'all. I know that this is going to be coming out in like May, but like, you know, next time you watch the Super Bowl, like, think about that. Because we didn't even touch on the CTE. We didn't even touch on all the, all the racial politics of the NFL. There's a lot more there. So we could do a whole episode, not really to teen dramas, but exactly. just on Bennett and, and Nipplegate. Exactly. <laughs> so, <Like, yeah. laughs> a lot there, but I'm always going to love when teen characters like see their power and their, and, mm-hmm. and use it. It's just, it's always a beautiful thing. And like, even if it doesn't end in the exact thing you want, like in Friday Night Lights, you still changed as a person by going through that collective yes. action, you know? Exactly. 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 And it's nice to see that as, Issues grow more nuanced that kids are feeling like it's their God-given right to respond, you know? And so, yeah. I don't know. I just, I just love that. Yeah, hopefully that'll push us in, in the right direction, because, I mean, I'm going to take the hope where I can take it this case. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Andres, always for coming on. Always amazing, always fun. <laughs> of course. Of course. Until next time. Until next time. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Leftist Teen Drama. Follow us on social media for updates. Links to our Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and TikTok are in the show notes, along with links to suggested additional reading on the topics discussed. And don't forget to rate us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Solidarity forever, free Palestine, and abolish the PIC. Signing off, Maria.